you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, a live literary event series from LAist. We are back with guests, author Amanda Montel and actor Bella Lavelle. You can find us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum. Tickets at LAist.com events. I believe that the pandemic has given rise to amazing, amazing content and stories that are actually, in my opinion, and this is as someone who's worked in sports for, God, a million years. I believe it's more interesting now than it ever has been. The NBA shocking the sports world last night. The game tonight has been postponed. You are all safe. And all it's going to take is one really bad outcome. If enough people get it, you're probably going to have a terrible tragedy happen. And, and what then? What will be the reaction of, of the public? College institutions just can't afford that. And so it's no surprise that they're punting to the spring until we can find out some more information. College football and Major League Baseball are hanging by a thread. LeBron James is playing in a bubble. Pro athletes are opting out of whole seasons. And stands are either empty or filled in with digital fans. The world of sports has never been stranger. So, what is it like to make a daily sports podcast when the sports business is anything but usual? From LAS Studios, this is Servant of Pod. I'm Nick Kwa. Today, the people behind the ESPN Daily Podcast talk about the struggle and the unique opportunities in this moment. Pablo Torre is the new host of ESPN Daily, taking over from Mina Kimes, who just moved on to become an NFL analyst. When we chatted, he had just finished his first full week behind the mic. It's been good, man. It's been super exciting. I have really enjoyed the metabolism of this show. I have a borderline uh, drunken sense of power because we have a staff (laughs) of really good people that care what I have to say to them all the time, which is really great. And the thing about doing a daily podcast at ESPN, and this is what Mina experienced, of course, when she was launching this thing, is that there really isn't anything else at ESPN like it. And Mm -hmm. so it feels like we are both an island unto ourselves, but also deeply connected to the company where we can kind of pluck all of this fun shit from around our content empire for our own purposes. So I am, yeah, I feel like I am both harvesting the fruit and the labor of other people, as well as like planting some seeds for myself as we grow this thing. Eve Tro is a senior editorial producer at ESPN Daily. Before ESPN, she worked at Marketplace and was the news director at WWNO in New Orleans. There are a lot of people at ESPN who it's the only place they've ever wanted to work, and it's their dream come true to have that name attached to what they do. You know, I was not that person. Um, I have always worked in pretty straight ahead news or documentary Hmm. style work. So to me, even the idea of working at ESPN, you know, when I updated my bio to say I had taken this job, people had a lot of question marks. (laughs) (laughs) 
like, are you a big sports person? Like, I don't know, y'all. But, but are you a big sports person? <laughs> 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 I I am a big sports person. You know, I I was very serious about running track in high school, for example. Uh, I went to a football-obsessed, tiny, tiny high school in rural Missouri where mm. my cousin Judd is actually the winningest football coach in Missouri State High School Athletics history. That's a big flex and, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sh- sh- shout out to Judd. When are we getting Judd on the show? Anytime, anytime. <laughs> Pablo has extensive experience both in print and television. Most recently, he co-anchored the television show High Noon from ESPN's New York studios. But what exactly did he hope to do on a daily news podcast? I like to talk about things from angles that maybe aren't the most obvious ones all the time. So Mm. I think for us, like the news magazine sensibility, it means... Let's find topics, let's give people what they need to know about it, but let's also advance the discussion and leave them with things that maybe they weren't considering in the first place. So for me, I'm a big fan of like enterprise stuff. I'm a big fan of, I mean, look, I love a good celebrity profile. I've done my share of them when it comes to sports. But for me, there is a breadth and depth to sports insofar as sports is like kind of America's biggest tent where people gather underneath. Mm. And so communicating to the people in that tent and getting to tell them, this is what I think is important and interesting and maybe different. I would say curiosity is probably the quality that I bring to this most organically. I'm just super Hmm. curious about so much in our industry. And I think it's such an opportunity to showcase the behind the scenes, exclusive access, Hmm. insider information that so many of our journalists have and have won over their years and decades of reporting on their beats. So uh, I feel like we shouldn't avoid the big 800-pound gorilla in the room. Uh, you know, like the fact that sports basically shut down in March. And so around that what? time... <laughs> I, I don't know where you were, but uh, surprise. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> so my... It was so fascinating to watch the show, first of all, like deal with the lockdown in on March 11th. Like, I kind of feel like it's not, it's just the Tom Hanks slash uh, Rudy Gobert day. Um, <laughs> and so, it, well, just looking back into the archive event, it also kind of felt like it was just a gradual acceptance that the sports world as we knew it would cease to exist at least for a time. This probably is more for Eve because you were working on a show at the time, but probably from your vantage point, I believe that was also the same month that Heinen was wrapping up. What were your experiences of that moment within a sports media company? Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the euphemism wrapping up, by the way. It's way better than <laughs> like you're, you're talking to probably one of the very few fans of the show. <laughs> no, 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 no. There were, no I, I count myself among those who... It is, it is a loyal... A loyal army that has since gone underground and is plotting a revolution that I can't really go into further detail about, but I appreciate (laughs) all of you joining that cause. No, so for me, I mean, very briefly at the top here, my whole life changed. So my daughter was born on February 24th. That was the day of Kobe's memorial. Mm. The next morning in in the room at the hospital, I remember Liz, like, looking at her phone and reading out loud a headline about coronavirus. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, oh, okay, let's keep tabs on that, I guess. And then as, as the days go on, obviously, everything you describe happens, including the cancellation of High Noon, the pandemic taking over the world, sports going away. And so my vantage point has been, wow, my life is entirely different. Mm. But, and this is maybe the hottest take I have, Nick, on all of this. 
I believe that the pandemic has given rise to amazing, amazing content and stories that mm. are actually, in my opinion, and this is as someone who's worked in sports for, God, uh, a million years. I believe it's more interesting now than it ever has been. Hmm. And I'm not saying that as spin. I think my company, ESPN, would would hate the fact that I'm in any way <laughs> supporting the notion that without live sports, we can do really good work because the business model, of course, is entirely live sports. Hmm. But for me, the stories and the issues and the intersections of real world events, and then you layer on, of course, all of this with this moment in American history that's unprecedented, at least since the 60s, in terms of racial justice, like the convergence of all of that under the big tent of sports is so historically fascinating to me that I've kind of loved it as much as it's been horrible in all of the ways that are grave and profound and, mm. and terrifying. I, I do believe that there's really good shit for us to talk about. Well, so isn't it interesting that like that happens in the sudden absence of sports when the interesting things about sports gets to have the opportunity to be talked about? Well, that's that's I mean, I think magazine writers have been made fun of for that for a very long time. <laughs> like you guys don't care about the games. What the fuck? You care about this kid's sob story. You care about his childhood. The corruption in the league. Yeah, right. I mean, so so for me, like this is again that magazine sensibility kind of blooming. Like when the when the most predictable day-to-day schedule has been disrupted, what do you turn to? You turn to these off-angle, off-the-field, by necessity off-the-field kind of storylines. Mm. And that's the stuff that I've always been interested in. So so it's March 2020. Uh, Pablo's world is still, you know, being erupted into flames. Eve, what was, <laughs> what was your experience of March? Flames of a different type. I would definitely say. Um, No childbirth involved. I will say that specifically on that day, on the 12th, I remember late in the day, we were thinking about the P word, the pivot, because we had the announcement that I believe March Madness was going to be held without fans. Hmm. That was the big thing that dropped. And we had an NBA show planned for the next day, which no one will ever hear. That was uh, with one of our favorite guests. It was sort of a nerdy basketball numbers technique kind of show. And we were trying to decide if we should pivot to talking about March Madness happening with no fans. And we're sort of going back and forth on that on Slack when, hold up, hold up, hold up, guys, something's going on. We don't know what's going on. The game has been stopped, the current game with Utah. And Everybody just pressed pause for a second, and then, you know, the dominoes started to fall from there. And then it came home real quick with that NBA announcement. So we recorded it, I think, 11.30 p.m. Eastern time and got the show out, just scrapped what we had and went with a whole new thing. Hmm. And then from there, I don't think that we knew what would happen. I will say that what has happened in the past few months is very different than what I expected, There has been so much more news to cover. We have not lacked for things to cover at all. Hmm. There has never been a a day that we looked 
at the calendar and just blankly stared and blinked and said, guys, what the hell are we going to put on this show? There has been a ton. It's just been as much of a buffet as ever, a mix of things related to the COVID impacts, of course, the different plans taking shape for coming back, the different labor agreements that had to happen for Mm. any of these leagues to return to come to an agreement with their players. The next week, actually, we had Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer now. Who saw that coming? (laughs) We were like, thank you, Tom Brady. Some actual sports news to cover. Uh, We had the NFL draft. We had the U.S. women's national team. And we had our own Julie Foudy on, former U.S. team player, to talk about the equal pay lawsuit and developments there. Hmm. We had uh, just all kinds of, of news pouring in. And I wanted to give one of my favorite sort of threads that showed how like all good journalists, we just follow the threads. So we had Jeff Passan in that first week, our absolute star Major League Baseball reporter who's been on the podcast consistently since it started, come to us with an idea that he actually interview some people with firsthand up-close looks at how the coronavirus was impacting baseball Hmm. and that he hosts those shows. It was a a novel idea, a novel approach. So he did some excellent interviews for us, including one with Dan Straley, who's a former U.S. Major League Baseball pitcher who now plays in Korea, where baseball was able to restart, you know, months Mm -hmm. ahead, it turns out, of the U.S. So while we were on that interview, Jeff and I afterwards were texting, and I think one of us jokingly said, hey, you know, ESPN better pick up these rights to Korean baseball to might as well put it on TV because it doesn't look like we're going to get any American baseball anytime soon. (laughs) And lo and behold, fast forward to May 5th, and that happened. (laughs) Hold on. I didn't, I mean, just Korean baseball (laughs) opening on ESPN. (laughs) Yes. When we talk about the drunk with power Asian agenda, that should be noted. <laughs> it was a big moment for visibility, I think, for the Asian people. <laughs> you know, once we found out on a content call, like some bigger kind of ESPN company call, that that mm. was happening, well, there's no expert on Korean baseball at the company more so than our own Mina Kimes, mm. who did, I will say, you know, Pablo, I hope you take no, no offense, but the... Uh, the premier reporting on Korean bat flipping, which is a yes. feature of the game there. <laughs> yes, no and uh, if you know of any other bat flipping, you know, deep dives that come close, let me know. But I don't think so. <laughs> I think we can say with authority, Mina's, Mina's got that topic cornered. So Pablo actually interviewed Mina, which was a flip and hmm. who knew a foreshadowing of things to come on the day that the KBO opened on ESPN about Korean baseball, the the different style of play there, the fan base there, what it's like to play games and follow baseball in Korea, um, sort of a primer on Korean baseball that included this thing that's very taboo in the U.S., which is they, they love to flip their bat. It's almost like spiking a football, Pablo. It's a celebratory gesture. And as you know, this is something that is taboo in the United States. Uh, in Major League Baseball, it violates the unwritten rules and Executing this maneuver will often result in a hitter getting drilled the next time he's up. But in Korea, bat flips are not only accepted, they're also extremely common. So Korean baseball is going to be on ESPN. And watching Korean baseball was the first time that a lot of us noticed, wait a minute, there's sound there. There's like crowd sound there that's coming from somewhere. 
what's going on with that? And yeah, look it up. They're piping in crowd noise. They not only had these cardboard cutouts in the stands at the empty stadiums in Korea, but they were, for the broadcast, piping in the sound of crowds cheering and reacting to the different stuff going on in the field. And that put into motion an episode we did a couple weeks ago, just a bigger, deeper look at the role of crowd noise in sports and Mm. how broadcasters, players, and others would be adapting to this fact of there being no crowds, no fans in the stands to cheer or boo for that matter. So I got to say, you know, overall these past few months, we've just followed the thread and it's taken us where we need to go every time. And I, I do agree with Pablo. We've produced some of our most interesting, dynamic, creative work in these past few months. Past few months, but there's really no end in sight. So then what? More in a minute. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. So I feel like the show, to me, kind of feels like a rebuild process because it sounds a little different, it's paced a little differently, but it's also happening during what feels like sports leagues also rebuilding themselves. Like, we're in the middle of this, what does feel like a first push to get sports back into operation. We're recording this in early August. Chances are it's going to come out in mid-August. I don't know if the uh, baseball league is going to be still playing around that time. Uh, It looks like the NBA bubble is going to hold. Uh, the NFL's dra- the NFL's going to pick up at some point, uh, and college sports probably, maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm tugging at my collar, Nick. I am tugging <laughs> my collar like a cartoon character. So I guess my question is like, does this feel like everybody's holding your collective breath? Is that the feeling that you guys have going into every every episode at this point? Because it feels like naturally the frame of ESPN Daily in these next few weeks is looking at something that feels quite fragile. The fragility of this is absolutely the, I mean, that's the number one overarching story. That's the lens through which I think all of sports is seeing itself through. Hmm. But I also think that existentialism is felt far more probably by the people in the C-suite at ESPN, like who are managing live rights and billion dollar contracts in Hmm. some cases. And they feel it in that bottom line sense. For us, I think It is this geyser of stories. Like, one of the stories that I've really enjoyed following is exactly the story that you describe, which is ostensibly terrifying. I mean, we had 
Dr. Fauci on the podcast last week. And that's not something that we have the opportunity to do when sports is not so uh, <laughs> teetering on yeah. the edge of this canyon. And so for me, like, oh, what? wow, somehow sports is in the center of this story. And that opens up all of these doors to people that are genuinely awesome guests for a podcast and also people who I think the sports audience would really enjoy listening to. And so when that is married and multiplied, force multiplied by the movement in America towards racial justice, I think those two stories, like we could do, I don't think we will or should do this, but Eve, correct me if I'm wrong, we could do a daily show that only talked about that stuff. Hmm. And in some senses, like the struggle is to make sure we leave space in our appetite for the rest of it, because there's also other stuff going on. But the the terror of there not being sports is is not even scary to me in that sense. It's it's actually, again, like morbidly exciting as someone who covers this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that when we look back over the past few months, I would be remiss in not also mentioning the death of George Floyd as something that came in as a major topic for us mm. and something that we knew we had to and wanted to find creative ways to cover in terms of the conversations it was prompting in the sports world, all across the sports world. We've just had some excellent episodes with athletes themselves, whether it's one of the Missouri football players who boycotted the season and, and stopped playing hmm. after Ferguson or player in the MLB who was the only baseball player to kneel at the time that Kaepernick did so and, and face some really troubling consequences from that and whose life and career took a fascinating direction in a way tied back to that decision. So we've had these two prongs of coverage going, both covering the virus, covering social justice and racial injustice causes that athletes have taken up. And those intersect in a lot of ways. I mm. mean, if you think about the topic of the athlete's voice and his or her agency in negotiating with the league on whether and how they're going to protect their health and safety and that of their family in returning to their jobs, mm. playing sports is a job. And if you also talk about that same right to use their job and their platform as an athlete to further causes they care about and further progress in this country in areas that need to be furthered and using their voices for that, you know, that's all related. That's definitely not unrelated. And I think we've been able to tie those threads together in fascinating ways. So here's something I've been wondering about. Um, I'm curious about the tension when you're choosing topics for an episode, to, to what extent is it a choice between like a classic sports topic, you know, like um, how will Cam Newton fit into the Patriots? Sure. And is it a choice between that and the grappling of like how sports has been changed by the pandemic and protests? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'll, I'll take this week and this episode will come out after this week. So I think, you know, spoiler alert. Um, so <laughs> yesterday we interviewed J.J. Redick from the New Orleans Pelicans, and we had a conversation that was very much about his life and about what it's like to play with Zion Williamson um, and sort of a more magazine featurey kind of dive. Mm. But that was layered with the fact that he was there for the bubble opener, as we've come to call it, kneeling arm in arm with every other player on his team. He's been wildly involved in the NBA activism movement. So it is both things and not one or the other. So what if this drought in life sports continues past six months from now or longer? 
what is the plan? Like, uh, is there even a plan? <laughs> um, let me just pull out this emergency plan in the drawer. I have <laughs> well, right over here. But, 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 to, to, but I, I, th- oh, I do I, have one. <laughs> oh, wow. It's not in a drawer. It's not printed out, but <laughs> it's, it's tattooed on my skin. Um, yeah, in times. It's, so, I mean, I think something's going to happen. Like, and I don't even mean like sports return is assured. I think something else is going to happen. Like, there is going to be some unpredictable chaos that's going to befall our universe in ways that we don't foresee. Like, thinking about this, what if everything is like this for six months from now? That feels like an assumption of consistency or a, a stable pattern is probably the least likely thing to expect of all. So I'm just anticipating another random chaotic turn here that will be forced into covering. You know, when we heard that the NBA was canceling its season, one of the things we did do the following week was ask people who've been at the company for a long time doing big in-depth features, whether it's for E60 or it's for the magazine unit, which now produces this fantastic reporting as digital features. They pulled together a list of just 200 of the best long format, long read features that ESPN has ever done. And we combed that list and there's just so much there that you could totally tell in podcast form. Over one episode, some of them could be two or three episodes. So that was a contingency plan that we put together that we did enact a couple of times over the past couple of months. We called it ESPN Daily Essentials. And those produce some really, really fun just riveting narratives, asking whether the famous Battle of the Sexist Tennis match was actually rigged, and some insight from a golf pro in Florida that suggested it looks like it probably was. Amazing reporting by Don Van Natta. Mm. We did a, a fantastic kind of sports crime story about a boxing coach who had a murder plot against him by his own wife and actually faked his own death as part of catching her in that and survived. Amazing story from Tisha Thompson. That was an E60 episode. We had the last dance. We had the programming gift of the last dance. The Oh, man you know, unparalleled Michael Jordan documentary that got moved up to April. And we did fantastic programming tie-ins with every weekend that Last Dance episodes were airing. We just had fantastic conversations. I mean, that was about basketball in the late 90s. And we had conversations that felt so relevant to today about the famous line, you know, hey, Republicans buy shoes too with Jesse Washington from The Undefeated, Mm. about Jalen Rose and facing Jordan, you know, in that season, what it was like to play him that season. It was just... No lack of great ideas from just the other programming that ESPN is producing or uh, the great stories that are truly timeless in sports. What a great stretch of content, The Last Dance. Just a great stretch for the content economy. It really was. I mean, just right in terms on time. of... I mean, <laughs> if, 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 if only podcasts could use memes, that's my only regret there. Ooh, There's that's, so that's many a good, memes. That's a good take that, right there. Ugh, gotta, yeah. gotta note to self, figure out how to make podcast memes, audio only memes. (laughs) So I would say, you know, we, we can't pivot the podcast to be all evergreen narrative driven features, obviously, but we can find great stories to tell even when there aren't live games being played on the field or on the court. And 
even yes, to combat the fatigue of the latest updates on testing or the pandemic or fans or no fans. You know, we strive for a diverse mix in every way on any given week between news and narrative, between guests who are telling us a story with a beginning, middle and end to guests who are giving us just the sharpest insights and behind the scenes reporting that they have to offer from their latest conversations. So, you know, I think that mix will continue truly and honestly, regardless of what's in store for the future of live sports in these coming months. Okay. Uh, my last question, who is your dream guest, dead or alive? Oh, wait a minute. That yeah, introduces right. I can, I can open a up whole back to different yeah, category. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Copernicus. <laughs> <laughs> what does he think about the Knicks? <laughs> I want Copernicus um, versus Kyrie Irving in a flat earth first take style debate. That is my dream episode. Honest to goodness, I would love to talk to Coco Goff. Mm. I think that would be a fantastic interview for us. And I think she's so dynamic and fascinating and so young and has so much ahead of her and has already accomplished so much. Would love to get Coco Goff on the podcast. Oh, man, is, is tennis coming back? Is that Has that been greenlit yet? Some tennis is coming back. Yes. Ooh. The Williams sisters will be on a court sometime soon. Amazing. Uh, Pablo, mm. dead or alive? This is like a ner- oh, wow, 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 <laughs> dead or alive. Um, I mean, the answer. Okay, here it is. I mean, I want Muhammad Ali. Oh, I want to do. I want to be yes. Howard Cosell to a revived, phantasmagorial Muhammad Ali. Yeah, I, I want that dynamic. I mean, what those interviews, man. Cosell and Ali, like, go into YouTube, look at that. Like something along that line of conversation is is the most gold standard for interviews in my opinion uh eve pablo thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me i really appreciate it thanks so much nick nick thank you for furthering the asian agenda absolutely we will survive (laughs) (laughs) pablo torre host of espn daily and eve tro the show's senior editorial producer if you're watching korean baseball or not I want to hear from you. Or tell me about a podcast you want to learn more about. Tweet me at NWQA. Servant a Pod is written and hosted by me, Nick Kwa. You can check out more episodes at alias.com slash servantofpod. The show is produced by Jessica Alpert and John Parati at Rococo Punch. Web design by Andy Cheatwood and the digital and marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Logo and branding by Leo G. Thanks to the team at LA Studios, including Christian Hayford, Taylor Kaufman, Christian Muller, and Leo G. Servant of Pod is a production of LA Studios. LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. 
one lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com sweeps.